We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Heapy Podcast. I'm your host, Carlo Navas, and with me today, uh, we had a guest, and I have misplaced our guest. Uh, maybe my guest shows up. I don't know. Uh, maybe uh, maybe they come on another day. Uh, we will see. I hope they come. Actually, I hope they kind of come another day so we can have a, a full show with them. I waited a bit, but hear ye, hear ye. I am here. Guys, not a lot to talk about today, even though you might think there's a lot to talk about today. The heat go down. Well, the heat, the heat go up, I guess. I don't even... I guess the heat go down. How would you say it? Do the heat go down 3-1 or the heat remain up 3-1? I don't know how to say it. Whatever. The heat are up 3-1. Coming off one of their more disappointing losses of the season. I guess given context, you could say like, well, this game matters and not a lot of, oh, those are games like a loss to Detroit at home. Who gives a shit? A loss to... Orlando at home or San Antonio at home. Who gives a shit? The loss at home in the Eastern Conference Finals hurts a bit. Uh, a game that, you know, the Celtic fans wanted Boston to be put out of their misery. Heat went up in that third quarter a little bit, and you kind of thought, okay, well, Max Struess's three gets blocked and ends up back in his hands, and he cans one. Uh, this is pretty jory duh. It was pretty Jover. And we all kind of thought we were going to march our way into the into the finals and, and face Denver. We thought we were going to get the, the double sweeps, all that good stuff. That didn't happen. Miami let go of the rope. Uh, I'm going to get into some of the stuff that Boston did. And we're going to just kind of kind of go to kind of go through what happened. We got people on Twitter like Mr. Bill that think the sky is falling. We have other people. There's a lot of momentum talk on Twitter. Got out fighting with people. I'm fighting with Celtic fans. We're all angry again. We got Trilly spilling it positively, saying that, hey, listen, Boston wanted to be put out of their misery. Now they brought their hopes up. Now we can now we can end them when they have a little fight in them. That's gonna be fun. I kind of agree. The Celtic fans got a little got a little spicy today, arguing and stuff. So fun stuff out here. But let's talk about the game, guys. I thought a couple things. Let's talk about what Boston did. As uh, Skinny McGee says, has Jimmy been using up his legs on Shakira? Uh, she was at the game yesterday. 
She was at the game, so unfortunate display in front of uh, the Colombian icon. But let's talk about what Boston did right. I think one of the one of the things that stood out to me, and Boston has been pushing pace the whole series. I don't think that's like a new thing. I just think they ramped it up like another 5%. And I, I thought Boston was even pushing off Miami makes. Like if a guy who drove deep into the lane and got a layup and, and hit it, like Gabe Vincent hits a layup and falls over, they were inbounding quick and pushing down the floor. I You know, a lot of times people talk about like, oh, well, they, you know, pace is good for offense. And sometimes that's good and sometimes that's not. To kind of explain why it's good in, in this scenario, Miami runs either they run their stupid zone, as you can, I hope you don't hear that thunder and lightning in the background. It is, it is a fucking storm out here today. But when you play fast, you do a couple things. A, you give yourself more possessions. And if you think you're a better offensive team, you know, you're going to have more chances to score. Now, I don't know if this is really the case this series with the way Miami's been shooting and everything. But if you're Boston, specifically against Miami, who loves to set their defense because every team loves to set their defense. Miami likes to run their zone, especially when they have Cody Zeller or Duncan Robinson on the floor. Or they love to send a ton of help. That's like the Eric Spolster thing. They're like, fuck these shooters. We're going to send the guy on the weak side corner, the guy on the wing. Fuck it. Sometimes the guy at the top of the key, we're collapsing. Sometimes we're already there. Like, you know, we're just we're just waiting already there, like set up. Like, I don't care. Like, you're one pass away. Who cares? And Boston, and I saw Jalen Brown make a comment that he's like, well, we're figuring some stuff out. I mean, in reality, like, the Heat have been running a lot of this shit forever. Uh, so it's like, uh, I don't know what took you so long. But, you know, they're pushing pace off makes and off misses, and that's getting them into their best offense. I think Rob Williams has been really good offensively for them. And I think kind of the more minutes he can survive. I don't think he's been very good on defense for them. Uh, I know the numbers back me up on that. And it just looks, he looks very huntable. And I think for, if you're Jimmy, I think he's kind of proven that he's less of a problem than Al Horford. I think Al's kind of held up more defensively on both Bam and Jimmy. Rob kind of gives you that impact that he can make like plays and stuff. But, but I think Horford's like a lot more sound and, and Horford does a lot of other stuff that we'll get into. But so I think the, I think the Celtics pushing pace, kind of help their offense find a little bit of life. I think they've been a little bit creative in how they're screening with Horford. Like they'll screen, like they'll run a they'll run an action and then Horford will kind of screen in the middle of the lane and kind of get a guy cuz when the he kind of send they overload on the strong side of the ball. So Horford kind of sets a screen at the nail and then when the defense has to shift back to close out on the shooter, they're a little stuck and jammed. And the Celtics did a lot of that, and I thought that kind of helped, especially because Tatum was such a threat as a pull-up shooter. So we talked about them pushing pace. Kind of doesn't let Miami set their zone. Doesn't let them send a lot of help because when you're running really fast, you don't set your defense. It's just, fuck, it's two-on-one or it's it's two-on-two or whatever. There's not a lot of help to be sent. It's just like, fuck it, we ball. And they're doing that stuff in the middle of the floor. Uh, Skinny McGee said they realized passing works. Yeah, well, because they're giving themselves access to those passings by that screening. I think also, like, Boston made more shots, which naturally kind of allowed them to set their defense and force some more turnovers, which Miami turned the ball over more. 
and, and force some misses to get out and run. So that's naturally going to help their defense by hitting shots because they get to set their own defense, which is very good. Although I don't think they need their defense as set as Miami's does, kind of given all that we've talked about. But they realized that, you know, they were much crisper on that one pass away stuff. They were kind of, I mean, they've been good in the short roll all, all series. I think they unlocked some stuff with Grant with, with kind of heat. You know, they are always make sure that they have a shooter kind of one pass away off penetration, off any kind of shift in help. And I think because Boston's playing quicker, when that shift in help comes, they kind of dump the ball quickly, boom, boom, boom. I think a lot of it was they just they hit shots that they were missing. And if you're Miami, if you think back to game two against Milwaukee, you know, not that they shot as well as Milwaukee, but Milwaukee shot really well. Miami didn't overreact to the Bucks shooting a lot, right? I thought Jason Tatum did a good job of making sure that Gabe Vincent was on him, not even attacking switches, but like in transition, like Gabe had to pick him up because they were pushing pace. Uh, stuff like that I thought was really beneficial to Boston. And lastly, I thought they figured some stuff out in the zone. Now, it didn't become a problem because Miami's zone gave them a chance kind of late in that, in that second half. But Boston had done a couple things that they were getting good looks, and they've hit a couple buckets, and I thought that was interesting. The one thing, which was pretty obvious, was flashing Jason Tatum to the middle of the floor, and that's just a soft spot of the zone. You know, Obviously, the difficult part is the entry pass. Because Miami plays, you know, Caleb Martin and their wings up top in the zone. So really what Miami wants to do is with their wings, they want to pressure the entry pass. They want to pressure ball handlers. Um, so once Boston was kind of able to make that pass as Tatum flashes into, into the middle of the, of the zone, you know, that's a turnaround jumper over small help because then Miami's guards are in the back of the zone. So that help, you know, the guys, the guys at the top of the zone aren't going to be able to contest that shot. The guys that come from under up are, are not really going to be able to to put up a good hand. That, that's Gabe Vincent and stuff like that. So pretty effective for Boston. Uh, they were also screening at, at, in the middle of the lane on the baseline of the zone, which I thought was really kind of fruitful for them. So like Horford or Williams or even Grant, or Grant Williams, so they'll screen and then somebody will kind of cut baseline to baseline. In reality, really similar to stuff Miami does, you know, when teams play man against them. Uh, he'd do that a lot, right? You know, somebody will screen and then bam, will go kind of baseline to baseline. Um, or, or he kind of take a defender out of the lane for Jimmy doing that kind of get to the other side. So he's, he's a pass away at the dunker spot. So those are kind of the things that I saw Boston do that I'm like, okay, they, they, they did a couple things that made some sense on offense on defense. They made some adjustments and listen, credit to them because they made some adjustments uh, Missoula finally woke up and I, I thought kind of the two, the two main adjustments were really, I thought interesting to me. So on Butler drives, they were sending less help than before. They were making sure that that guy, cause Miami runs a lot of the same stuff, right? The Jimmy stuff is pretty, pretty clear. They'll do a couple, they'll do one of two things. They'll either run Jimmy off a screen to get the ball and then initiate a pick and roll at the top of the key, or they run, they try to get a switch and then empty the strong side corner, right? So then they load up on the weak side of the ball. So it's like, you know, Jimmy, Jimmy, Jimmy's going to come either pick and roll with an empty corner or he's going to isolate a guy that he got on a switch on a preliminary action. It's like they'll just like Duncan Robinson will screen and flash or screen and flare rather. And then he's like, all right, I have Derek White. Let's go to work, baby. I'm going to get to my spot here 
on the right wing and you know i have my four shooters on the weak side or i have three shooters and bam in the dunker spot or whatever so he has a lot of space to work with uh so that's, that's the stuff that miami liked so when the heat were doing that what the celtics started doing was before that guy on the weak side he was coming in to help on jimmy drives every single time they were just sending a ton of help they were either trapping pick and roll they were sending a lot of help up early so now what they're doing is they're sending a little bit help they're sending help later and they're sending help less often they're not giving him the same look every time which is smart you never want to give a good player a lot of the same looks but they're giving him they're giving him some different looks like okay we're not helping off caleb martin in the corner right now caleb martin has proved that he can hit that corner shot and uh we're we're good so now jimmy you know you're gonna have to be you know, one-on-two with the guy that's defending you plus Al Horford or whoever is kind of coming in from the nail or coming off a of bam in the dunker spot or, or whoever else is coming off of that weak side. But they're not sending everybody. And then for bam rolls to the basket, they're collapsing a lot. So, like, if Duncan bam run a pick and roll, they're fucking sending everybody. And Jimmy has fucked up that spacing a lot where Jimmy's kind of waiting where Bam waits in the dunker spot or like kind of roaming around that baseline area because Jimmy just like randomly gets fucking balls that pop out of nowhere and he's like, oh, I got this. Here's a little floater. Here's a little 10-foot jumper. And Boston has kind of used that against them. So they're just now super duper crowding the paint. And you would think that Bam's a good enough passer. The problem is, is that like they're making it difficult for the non-Jimmy pick and roll handlers. So that's Struess. That's Lowry. And that's Duncan and or and, and Vincent. Although I, I thought Vincent handled it really well. I think Gabe runs a really nice two-man game with Bam. And Gabe's not really concerned with some of those other dudes on the far corner. He's just really focused kind of on getting into a spot. And I think Gabe kind of has a more in-between game than Max. I think he has more body control so we can kind of stop or do a little crossover and pull up. Max has a really good kind of pick-and-roll game going downhill. Or I'm going to pull up from three. So, like, you'll watch when Bam and Struess run pick and roll. What they'll do is they'll set the screen really, really high up. Because really what they want to do is they want to give Struess an option to come off the screen and pull up from three. Or just kind of go downhill. Because he's, like, a pretty athletic guy. Maybe draw some help. That's an easy kind of pass to the corner or whatever. So, what Boston's doing is they're just sending a lot of help uh, early, late, everything on those non-Jimmy pick and roll actions and then on the jimmy stuff they're, they're leaving the guy in the corner because they're like jimmy we've proved that you can pick us apart we're gonna prove that like these other guys can make those passes and they're not easy because they're like the celtics have a lot of size on the wings even guys like Derek white who's a guard he's he's long for a guard he has really quick hands stuff like that and you saw caleb martin kind of gets into the lane in that fourth quarter looks to give a dump off pass to bam it's too congested turnover duncan robinson kind of the same thing tries to force a pass to bam turnover you know that's kind of that just takes a couple plays for you to get that you know a couple bam kind of miss floaters or whatever in the lane and all of a sudden you know you you kind of shave you kind of shave off 10 points you know you save yourself 10 baskets that miami was getting pretty easily uh off kickouts and penetration and stuff so i think a lot of that's solvable for the heat but i did think that boston did credit to them for those adjustments um, I thought the Lowry stuff was interesting because they were not they were they were both over and under helping on him. I thought they treated him pretty similarly to Jimmy because I, I think they trust his passing ability. The problem with Kyle is that he's not beating anybody clean. 
Uh, so he's over penetrating a lot. And because guys are staying home on shooters, when he kind of goes, they're like, all right, pal, you fucking finish. And I think that's kind of been the problem with Kyle the last couple games. And I thought, I thought that was a good adjustment. They're like, all right, man, you beat us. Like you, you beat us. You beat us in pick and roll. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Um, apparently my guest never got my call link. Um, but, um, as I, as I go to address that, um, sorry guys. As I, as I do that, but sorry, sorry. I don't like to have dead air. Uh, okay, well, that's settled back. Um, so, yeah, so that's kind of like that. That's kind of um, that. That's kind of that's that's kind of it. That's kind of where I am. And I I'm not too concerned. Like from a basketball perspective, I'm like, OK, well, Miami can do some more kind of handoff stuff. I thought they were really successful getting Rob Williams in space against Jimmy, even if they were sending less help. I think if you're going to make Jimmy a one on one scorer, I think if you're the Heat, that's a that's just generally a win for you. And eventually they're going to have to send help. And I think we kind of saw the Knicks and the Celtics even have been really scared of Jimmy doing stuff. The Bucks weren't right. So Jimmy was able to kind of get into his spots pull up, get really hot, and he's a rhythm kind of guy. I think the the MO on him is throw size on him, send a lot of help, kind of make him a passer, even though he's a good passer. And credit to the Heat, they've hit shots and they've kind of made people pay. But I'm going to be curious if Boston kind of continues his coverage, if he's going to get going from the jump. I think another thing is like, I think he and Bam need to get established early because a lot of times the Celtics are very privy to when, all right, okay, this is the possession. Because, like, Bam's not, like, getting involved early. Jimmy's not super early either. So they're not, like, super privy. To, the Celtics are super privy to, like, okay, we're going to we're gonna, we're gonna do this. We're, we're going we're gonna to help on this action because we know that Bam is going to try to look for a zone. He's not really trying to facilitate right now. Okay, he caught the ball on the mid post. He has Al kind of isolated. There's an empty corner. All right, we're sending that help from here and here. We're staying home on a guy like Caleb Martin, for example. And they'll very be very choosy on who they stay home on in certain times. Like a lot of times they try to give up that easy pass to the corner and they may do the, the more difficult help from the wing or maybe the guy from the, the low man will come in and then the guy from the wing will shift. So they'll do a couple things. And uh, lastly, I think Celtics have just done a really good job of kind of manipulating Miami's low men. 
sometimes they'll they'll kind of bring up the shore of the of the defense i like to call it like they kind of hold their line like in soccer you know like the offside line you know like so they'll bring up the two corner wings they don't run as much empty corner stuff as miami so like if jalen and Malcolm Brogdon are in the corner, and Jason Tatum's running some stuff up top, or Derek White and Jalen Brown. Th- those guys kind of come up, and so Jimmy a lot of times like they the Heat have just this, they're ignoring Jalen Brown on the weak side, but on some of those other guys like Derek White, like they're still kind of concerned about him. He shot the ball really well, so when those guys kind of pick up, the Heat have to account for that. So like you know they're looking back, they're like they're kind of shifting their defense a little bit, and that kind of gives Tatum a lane because he's long enough, athletic enough, strong enough to kind of finish over guys and stuff like that. So I thought you saw all of that on display last night. And even so, Miami had a lot of chances to get back in that game in that third quarter. Uh, Bam picking up the fourth foul was pretty enormous, even though I thought Zeller played really well. One of the things I really liked about Zeller yesterday, by the way, was they weren't only losing him in pick and roll. They would kind of screen, force a switch, and then he would kind of like cut away from the play and then cut back in. And I thought that like because they were kind of concerned with Jimmy kind of heating up uh, some, you know, obviously low man has to rotate, right? Like those defensive principles are still there. And he was kind of able to get either little dump off passes, offensive rebounds, stuff like that. But he for sure can't survive defensively. It's been really difficult for him in the series. It, it, and at Kevin Love as well. And and I think a lot of the Celtics' best offense, they know what Miami's going to do with Love. They're either going to drop him, which has been pretty bad, or they're going to show him really high. And the way Boston has kind of dealt with showing Kevin Love really high, because I thought for the first couple of series, he did like pretty good. He showed really high, kind of let guys behind him kind of readjust, get, get behind the defense or whatever. But now what they're doing is they're just setting the screens even higher up especially with Rob Williams, who's a very athletic. So they're just going to set those screens a lot higher. They know that Tatum's a pull-up threat. You know, he may not be a Lillard logo threat, but they know that, you know, he's one or two dribbles away from from that wing three that he likes so much, and they're going to be able to get into some offense like that. Uh, so, like, you know, Love is now kind of showing hard. Now that guy, now there's a guy in the lane that has to kind of go back to the corner man because now that's one pass away. And they have to also contain Williams. So once that ball leaves Williams' hands, they got to rotate and then that wing is open. So Boston has figured some stuff out that I think is for sure not the most concerning thing in the world. I, I If you were to ask me going into the series what I was more scared of, I would have said Miami's defense. Um, I still think the zone's a weapon. I know that they have a couple things that they're running that it looks good. I still think that's a weapon. I still think their man's a weapon. And I do think that Bam picking up the fourth foul made him have to play a little bit more conservative. Uh, we got to watch the Gabe Vincent ankle. He is getting red. He's trying to play. Anthony Chang and Barry Jackson have said he's doing everything he can. You know, Lowry's getting ready if he needs to, to start. Like, they're down to one point guard left, really, if Gabe Vincent can't go. You know, obviously Oladipo and Tyler Hero are, are out. So it's kind of tough. I don't know if that if if Gabe can't go. If now you have the inclusion of Haywood Highsmith minutes, all that stuff. So, you know, I'm not concerned. I think that you're up 3-1. You're going to have three cracks to, 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 to win this, one of them at home. Boston, very shaky home team. With that being said, I, I kind of expect Boston to come out and and, and either win game five or it'd be very close. I mean, you know, you, you have a game at home for your season. And I, I and I think that kind of instills a little bit of confidence kind of get, you know, if, if you're if you're the Celtics, you can convince yourself, OK, well, we just get this one at home 
and then we just have to steal one road game and we get a game seven at home. So I can understand like the mindset of Boston of like how they can talk themselves into this. But if you're the Heat, you're just like, we have the best coach in the NBA. We have Jimmy Butler, who's by the way, due for like a 40 point Jimmy Butler type explosion game when you won. And let's not forget last year in the Eastern Conference Finals, game six on the road, save your season facing elimination. Jimmy Butler went into that building and dropped one of, if not the greatest heat playoff performance that any of us had ever seen kyle lowry with a bum hamstring came up huge which by the way he played like total ass yesterday i'm not gonna hide i know that that's my guy and i talked about it on hangover time shabon and i talked about it a bunch super over penetrated just really didn't have a plan I-, I thought boston staying home on all those shooters was a problem i do think that kind of a couple things you can do is again one of my favorite things and it's a spo thing set a higher screen get a burst of speed get get, get some stuff like that Get to his mid-range pull-up. He's really good at that turnaround in the lane. That's one of his his best shots. Get to the kind of that mid that middle game. Not necessarily always going to the rim, but you know he's an older guy. Kind of grift uh, stuff like that. That pick and roll with Bam on the corner with the empty side. Kind of when he, that zigzag dribble into the pull-up. He has tools that he hasn't really gone to since game since game one. But in reality, since the first half of game one, really that second quarter. He's only had really one good offensive quarter. He's done other things. I think he gets Miami going quick. He gets them down. His assist, his playmaking has actually been super up this this series, which I think is really important. And a lot of that is getting guys in transition, getting them on hit aheads. Because for as much as like we talked about the Celtics running, I think the Heat have made that a priority as well to run, to move, um, all that stuff. She shades fifty says some individual news. Clippers GM goes to the Wizards as president. So the Wizards give up on their Masai Ujiri Odyssey. Uh, yeah, so that's, uh, that's interesting. Got somebody in chat saying Celtics and seven. I don't know if you're a Celtic fan or you're gutless. Either way, it's funny, but that's, that's really, that's really where we are. That's, I think that's where we are in the series. I don't think there's too much. I I think Spo has a lot of, I think Spo still has cards to play. You know, there's again, a starting lineup change. You know, I think there could be Caleb Martin in the starting lineup um, less Kevin Love. I still think, by the way, I think there's a world where Highsmith can still make an impact this series. I think if the Love minutes are too untenable, he might not be able to play this series, especially now that Boston has gone one big. And maybe you start Caleb Martin or you start Haywood Highsmith so you don't mess up your rotation. Uh, and and Chad's laughing, but or I don't. He's probably a Celtic fan, but um, you know. I just think that Kevin Love stuff has like been pretty bad. I have just every time I watch any film of him on the floor, Boston has done a really good job of attacking him, putting him in pick and roll. Like I said, baiting the baiting the hedge really, really high up top, forcing Miami's backline defenders in rotation. And the problem is a lot of times those guys behind Kevin Love that are in rotation, it's like Max Drews and Gabe Vincent. It's not Jimmy and Bam. And that's the been the key thing that Boston has done is we're going to run these actions with those guys out of the picture. They kind of keep them on the other side of the floor or they kind of manipulate the spacing so that, you know, they, they, they kind of pick who's the help guy on those actions, given what Miami doing. So obviously maybe, maybe, maybe the Heisman stuff's a little ridiculous. I don't know. I, I think there's a place for him in the series still. And, and we've seen some crazier spoke things before. Um, I mean, Spo dusted off Duncan Robinson in the middle of a fucking series against against Milwaukee. So we'll see. I, you know, again, fan, he fans shouldn't be too concerned. I, I like what Chef Trilly said. I, I, you know, he goes if 
if Miami gets forced to a game seven, then I'll start sweating. But you're going to have game six on your home floor. Uh, Boston's a really good team. I think thinking that you're going to sweep them could have been a little presumptuous. But um, and I know everybody likes to shit on Missoula. But I, I like I said, I just kind of highlighted. I think some of the stuff he's done has has been really effective and made sense. Worked in that game. And Boston hit a ton of shots. I think Miami shot 25% from three. I'll go through the numbers. Uh, that's even worse than their shitty regular season average. And Boston shot over 40. So, of course, you know, you, it's going to be tough to win under their cir- circumstances regardless. And you lost a turnover batter, battle. So, yeah, Miami shot 25% from three. Boston shot 40% from three. And Boston put up 13 more threes than the Heat did. Um, he did win the free throw battle, which is huge under a Scott Foster game. Uh, he shot 28 free throws to Boston's 18, but Boston was a jump shooting team yesterday. And that, that, that that's always kind of been the knock on these kind of uh, this, the Celtic build is that they don't really get to the bait and the lane that much. They don't get a lot of free throws. So we'll see kind of going into game five, uh, clean up the turnovers. Obviously, you know, that, that goes without saying, and that that's a lot on bam. And we talked like they're going to, they know they're going to be ready for that kind of help that bam's going to see. And this is where good and great coaches kind of differentiate themselves. If you're Spo, you have a plan for that and, and you watch the film and you kind of build in releases in your actions to kind of give you a chance. And if you're Missoula, if you're a great coach, you're ready for what Eric Spolster is going to be ready for. As we've seen with Spo in this series, um, I know Zach Lowe talked about it on his pod. It was pretty interesting how like Miami would kind of, when they'd ISO Derek White on, on a week on a, on an empty corner, They'll load up on one side of the ball. They'll have like four defenders. And then Boston was just like kind of sending one of those guys to help while the other guy zones up. Then Miami was doing like really interesting kind of screening and cutting actions with like Bam to kind of force to suck an extra defender out. So now they can't zone up anymore. And then, oh boy, Caleb Martin's open. So Eric has been ready for the task. He's obviously been incredible all playoffs long. Uh, and, and you know, Missoula is, is, you know, finally kind of doing some things that have worked for, for his team. So, We'll see. Um, we'll see how this goes. And yeah, I hope the vibes are better, man. I hope we have better vibes on Heat Twitter. Uh, I hope you guys aren't like so scared anymore. I don't really understand why why we're why we're panicking all the time. Come on, it's only one loss. This is what Heat and Five looks like. You know, if I would have told you Miami goes up three, if Miami goes back to Boston up three one, you all would have been thrilled. It doesn't matter. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter the order in which it happens. You know, at the end of the day, it happens. Right. You're going up three one, going back to Boston, you know, same position you were against the New York Knicks. You're going up three one, you know, on the road again. Even if you lose, you're gonna have a chance to close that out at home. And don't, you know, just they're good. Jimmy Jimmy thinks he's fine. It's all thinks he's fine. I trust Spo. I do think there's some room to improve and I think some of the shooting should progress. I, I hope. Less uh, you know, and I and I get that people think that maybe the you know, and I've seen a couple people use this analogy, and I used it myself. There's a feeling that the clock might strike midnight on what's going on with this team, with the Gabe Vincent shooting, with the Caleb Martin playing like Paul George, uh, all this stuff. Even sometimes, to an extent, Jimmy's kind of Nova performances. You know, the the resurgence of Duncan Robinson, right? Like, there's a there's there's a feeling that will this, you know, is this Cinderella run uh, gonna last past midnight? And I think, and I, I think he fans that get mad at that, like everybody was mad at Amin Al Hassan for saying like, well, Tatum can out talent you. 
and that's not to say that Butler can't do that, but like for sure, like Boston just has like, you know, they have like a deeper team and stuff. You know, like that's not we were like all complaining about these guys all season. Like we shouldn't like pretend, but you know, I think that these guys have kind of had two playoff runs to prove to you that they're tough. They know what to do to win. You know, really, I mean, uh, and even guys like Duncan, who who I think his pedigree in, in the playoffs has been pretty earned. He plays really well in that bubble run and now this run. Stuff like that. Uh, we got people in chat saying, Dad sent me a text of clock strike midnight last night. Told him he didn't fight. That's, uh, that's having the guts, man. So there's a there's that feeling of that going on. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. Uh, we have game five tomorrow. That is Thursday and uh and yeah i hope i hope uh, y'all vibed with me had fun here kyle lowry agenda took a hit last night uh everybody's really mean to him when he doesn't play well so we'll see and guys 10 years of miami heat beat it's pretty crazy um 10 years old yesterday Heat beat turned 10 I'm 30 years old so that's a decade a third of my life doing this, covering this team, doing it with Brian, doing it with people like Christian for eight of those 10, doing it with Alf for seven of those 10, or even eight of those 10, really. I mean, Alf's been here a long time. Christian, Leif, Alex Lito, Nikias, Brass, you know, all those guys that have been here for a long time and a lot of the newer faces like Tiff, Moose, Bond, Coach Lou, um, you know, Kenny, uh, Jablanka, who writes for us, who does a fantastic job. Uh, everybody, you know, everybody who, who does incredible stuff at Heat Beat, uh, past and present, you know, I don't think you guys understand what it means to go through that journey. I talk to those people every day. You know what I mean? Like, I've talked, I've talked to my staff. We have a group chat. We've talked every fucking day. Some of those people I've talked to every day for eight years. Think about that. Those people, I've been to baby showers, to weddings, to all sorts of incredible things, and the the the, the way the words that the audience has said to us, um, meeting some of you guys in person. I love when you guys approach me, you know, out in the wild, and you say hi, and we chat a little bit. That means a lot to me. I know some of you guys have done that, and it's pretty. I don't know. It means a lot. And to do this for ten years, it's been the most fulfilling thing I've ever done in my life. I never thought. I could do something like this, you know, to, you know, I always loved, I've always loved basketball. I've always loved sports. I knew I'd never be an athlete, but I've always wanted to be close to it. And I didn't know how to be close to it. Cause I wasn't, I knew I was not going to be a, I mean, I played soccer. I was not going to be that kind of soccer player. I wasn't going to be a basketball player, you know, any of that. And I wanted to be as close to it as possible. I wanted to tell these stories. I, I love Dwayne Wade. It's the reason why I'm here. And you know, going, and I say this all the time, but, you know, from an iPad in my mom's kitchen, uh, where we first recorded our show to the bowels of the internet, all over the depths of heat Twitter, doing God knows what horse cocking, God knows who into NBA locker rooms, talking to Dwayne Wade, right. Talking to the guy who made me love sports enough to do this, you know, talking to guys like Goran Dragic about coffee and, and food and where to eat in Miami, talking to guys like Solomon Hill, about anime talking to Josh Richardson about super smash. If anybody knows I play competitive smash. So, you know, just cool shit. And I got to, got to cover it my way. And I don't know. I don't know if I'll ever do anything this cool again. You know, I've, I've in a way I've accomplished everything I've ever wanted to, 
doing this right. I think you kind of have goals. I mean, we were, I mean, really, we're like one of the biggest. And there were points where we were the biggest heat podcast because there weren't many. You know what I mean? There, there weren't a lot. And, uh, you know, we were the biggest at one point. Uh, now we have a lot of great peers. I've met a lot of lifelong friends. I've traveled because of this. I've talked to the players. I've done, and not to be too self-involved, but, you know, it's it was it's 10 years, 10 years of doing this. And, you know, it, it still hasn't gotten old. There have been days where it's tough and I want to quit. It's days that it's draining. It's days where, you know, you're you're tired. The team's bad. You've run out of things to talk about. You know, you have imposter syndrome, right? You know, I'm not as smart as Nikias or as Brady Hawk, but I try my hardest every day to bring something fresh, right? I'm not them, but I'll, I'll always try. I'm not as informed as Ethan. I'm not as plugged in as, as and funny as like David Ramil and Wes Goldberg, right? Who's covering the team or Wes is a terrific writer. David's very, very funny. Um, you know, my, my peers uh, that I respect immensely. So man, whichever of you are listening, any media person in Miami, you have been so great to our show, to us. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. Thank you to the audience. Love you guys. Wouldn't be here without you. To my staff, to my friends who supported me uh, doing this when it wasn't the easiest thing in the world. It was a, a big decision. I've missed a lot of important people's events because I've always treated this like a job and like a responsibility. Even before there was money and a staff. I always treated this as a responsibility. And now more than ever, I've missed birthdays. I've missed important things that, you know, part of me sometimes regrets, but I've always put this first. I've always put what we do first. And I want to thank every single person who helped make this possible and the audience who has been with us this whole time. So I love you guys. Thank you so much for 10 beautiful years of Miami Heat Beat. Funny that this is a, this is a platform that I think we we normalized having like these huge panels of people. Uh, that was always kind of the goal. It was to just talk with our friends and have a lot of people do it. And it's really funny that I'm doing this big fucking speech by myself on a pod alone because uh, I think I sent the I think I sent a guest the wrong email link. So <laughs> funny as fuck. I love you guys. Thank you for for being here every step of the way. And we'll see you tomorrow pregame. Uh, for game five and post game, of course, hangover time got you covered. Hopefully it's a win. You know, we brass got you with receipts and all that good stuff. And, uh, I love you guys. Thank you so much for everything. We'll see you tomorrow. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the planet premier league podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.